0: episode of the Art vs. Commerce podcast. This week is with Adam J. Kurtz. He used to be a graphic designer and now he's taken that craft and quite simply he's made a business of his own ideas, his own thoughts and feelings, emotions. Um, his life's existence, it, he puts it on paper and he puts it on objects. He puts it on pins, mugs, hats, shirts. Um, it's truly One of the more unique people we've had on the show just because everything he does is so personal, um, it's really hard to compare it to many other people. At this point, a lot of brands hire him to, you know, put his type of art on products in connection with them. And if you uh, check out his Instagram, which is at Adam JK, you really get a sense for the type of stuff that he's about. Um, It's all incredibly personal Ideas, thoughts whims about, you know, life and the way that um, you can feel for a variety of things, either like the smallest pinprick of a situation or longer, bigger, deeper emotional things that are, you know, bigger in scope. He kind of covers it all and his career has completely taken off. You know, he has a huge social media following. He's written uh, multiple books that have been translated into over 15 languages. And so he's kind of a tour de force of his own creation, which is super cool and something that, um, you know, we have haven't really had that type of career on, on the show before so really excited to have that type of conversation with him because I think um, obviously I think a lot of universal things that we can extrapolate from hearing how he views it and also interestingly you know he he works in the value of memes and he's a meme maker and that's interesting because I think in a lot of ways films or other art while not maybe having the same aesthetics of memes, but we are trying to tap into things that we think are zeitgeist in nature and are trying to be topical in a certain way sometimes. And so there is connection. Uh, between a lot of the art forms that I think um, the, audi- the audience of this show is is performing and doing and uh, the type of work that, that he does. And so it was really such a cool convo. Um, if you if you check him out online, he also has really, um, there's a, he did a great interview, not an interview, a presentation uh, for Creative Live, which you can find online. It's a 45-minute video that if you have the time and you're interested in this conversation, I suggest checking out. He goes deep into um, his whole thought process. Process, um, which is fascinating. So absolutely loved this talk and excited about um, having more talks like this with people that are outside and, and doing their own thing and other aspects of, of ideation and execution. Because I think that the types of people that are doing those types of things um, will always stir up an interesting dialogue just some housekeeping if you can like and comment on itunes that will help spread the uh, conversation and the show further we're on all social media channels at avc pod that's our handle and for any inquiries questions or uh, guest ideas you can email uh, this show's producer courtney ryan at courtney at avcpod.com so yeah this week adam j kurtz as always thanks for being here
1: Yeah, uh, I'm working on a number of projects, some personal. Um, well, that's already a misnomer because all my projects are personal, but sometimes they're with other brands or publishers, um, and sometimes they're self-directed, self-released, and distributed. So, yeah, I'm working on a range of personal projects. Um, I have a new book coming out with Penguin that sort of just wrapped up the, the production files for, and now we're starting to talk about marketing for October and then I do an annual calendar that I'm starting the process on, mm. um, and then I'm always sort of releasing products for my store and and working on wholesale stuff and preparing for a trade show. It's very weird because everything is super me. Yeah. I just I feel like I'm constantly just like up my own ass, like mega narcissist, and that's just because my work is so personal. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing a lot of stuff, and and it's all
0: my yeah. own. <laughs> I, I I mean it just seems I'm not surprised to hear that as the answer. It just seems like there's a there's at least six things in the pot and like something is finishing, something is just in prep and something is like about to release. I, it seems like you operate best that way.
1: Yeah, I think I'm one of those people that needs to keep busy just like as a human person. Yeah. And so some people do that by having a job and a family and friendships and, you know, hobbies and working out and, and eating well and traveling. Um, and I just work. You just work. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's my hobby and my friends and my family. And I don't exercise. I'm just like a sack of trash.
0: That's, <laughs> uh, as someone's in front of you, that's me, not true. Um, just trust me on this. Okay. So you just work, but that really is because of how personal it is. And it really just is your, I mean, it's musings to a dude. Like it's a lot of personal mm-hmm. expression and musings. That isn't work in the same way as like, you know, the output of an accountant.
1: Right. It's, um, well, and when I say work, that's that's correct, but also like it's my hobby and I was doing this as a hobby, you know, I was releasing zines and making sort of for lack of a better term internet art. I was doing that. I've been doing that for like 12 years. And so the fact that now I do these things for a salary that I can live off of is is mind-blowing, but even when it's hard it doesn't feel like work. And so my hobby and my work have merged um for the sake of my sanity, I should probably get some like external hobbies like
0: Things that aren't related.
1: Yeah, a lot of people have been rock climbing, so that's hey. it. everyone is. I know fucking I can rock climbing. It, do you rock lot, climb? Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a lot of fun.
1: Oh my god! Of course you rock climb, you and know? you have a podcast. This is I, a very. I'm in the presence of a very well-rounded, multifaceted. Individual.
0: Yeah. Um, well, it, so you say you've been doing it for 12 years, but even further back, since I mean, because it's you must have been making just these little things since you were young. Like how? how yeah, long, I've always how been. How long has this been? A th- this the, guy. A thing? I mean, I've
1: always been the kid that like was given creative tools as presents for like any holiday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like Hanukkah would start and I would just like every single night I would get like more markers and pencils. It was like...
0: That's the beauty of eight nights.
1: Yeah, that that is the yeah. beauty of eight nights. And like, thank God art supplies are cheap because I think my parents would have gone broke. Mm-hmm. You know, my sister was getting like the heavy hitter shit and, and yeah, I, yeah. I was getting like pencils and then markers and and I loved it. Um, So I was always making and doing stuff and that, that just never really stopped in transition to digital. I was building websites yeah. and teaching myself coding and that stuff. Well, uh, I was going
0: to say, it makes sense that as a kid, you're doing these, these things. A lot, a lot of kids do. But was there a point where you had, maybe it was in teenage years or after, where you were like, you know, this can be bigger. This, th- or I don't know if bigger is the right term, but I, c- I can be doing this in a way that is outside of simply doodling around.
1: Um, I don't know that. Well, what I do now is actually really similar to what I did then, which is like very bad pencil drawings. But there was a moment when I was like, oh, building websites, that's graphic design. And so I studied graphic design and got better at coding and just learned more of that stuff and was doing that professionally for a while.
0: That was out of enjoyment of it? Or is that really like just a practical way to do what we have been doing? That was
1: enjoyment too. There was never this moment. And and I hear this from students a lot who are like, well, I love art, but like, I'm just going to do graphic design to get a job. Right. And those are people who are bad at graphic design. (laughs) Like... Not to be a dick, but Those who but there don't are,
0: do teach or like those who don't do art do graphic design? I don't
1: mean those who don't do teach because sidebar, you tons of respect ton. for, for teachers. And I think that that saying is, is sort of fucked up. But I think mm. there are a lot of really great illustrators who are bad graphic designers, yeah. but who are like, well, I got to like design this thing for money. And it's like design is its own art. And there are brilliant graphic designers who are doing things that are graphic design that will blow your fucking mind. Right. Um. So, yeah, I, I don't recommend, like, just do design because you like art and you need money. Um, but for me, I really like design. I was building a lot of websites and, like, doing things that, that were graphic design that I didn't realize were graphic design.
0: Right. And then as that's going on, were you also doing things outside of that, too? Because it just seems like whenever there's a site, an idea pops in your head, it comes out onto paper.
1: Uh, for a long time, I wasn't doing that. I think... really. There was this moment uh, where an old roommate of mine was like, Adam, you never make anything that's not about something. Mm. And I think that was a moment when I started thinking about what design is and what art as a broader term is. Did
0: something mean for a client?
1: For something was like for a client or like event marketing or like advertising something like content about something else, which in its truest sense, design is sort of communicating something. Yeah. Um, And so I was used to communicating other people's things. And I guess when I started using design tools to communicate my own thoughts or feelings or emotions or anything, that's when I sort of started shifting into this art that I do now and shifted into the type of thinking like, oh, this is art actually. Yeah.
0: Was that in conjunction with just putting a lot of your writings and stuff on objects? Like when did that start to become something that you were doing in a more concerted effort versus it happening every so often randomly?
1: I don't know where the shifting point was. Yeah. I think just a You know, I I was on Tumblr really early. Tumblr was sort of like this sketchbook testing ground space where I was making things and getting feedback in real time and inadvertently was sort of A-B testing most of my core concepts and so I was just making stuff and sharing stuff. And sometimes that took the form of, you know, a little doodle. And sometimes that was me writing on objects and then reshooting them. And I think I'm sure that somewhere in my Tumblr is like the hashtag documented modified objects, which I remember. <laughs> I remember clearly as being uh, a way that I tried to describe my work at the time. Yeah. But yeah, I was just sort of fucking around. And some yeah. people on Tumblr liked it and some people hated it.
0: Fucking around with the point, though. Like, I mean, or a goal. Not always. But I, or, I was, in the macro sense, like a bigger goal of like where kind of all of this effort was heading no, towards. No,
1: literally. No, um, I know that sounds really bad. I never. It doesn't. It's curious. I never anticipated any of this. Um, I was doing a lot, but it was it really was just fun. And I always had, you know, I was doing coding for a marketing firm and then I was working in advertising. Um It wasn't until maybe three years ago that I was like, oh, I'm building something. Really? And I think it was really like getting the first book deal, making this book and realizing like, actually, the stuff that I think is just like dumb fun is its own sort
0: of tangible product. Well, yeah, because I was going to ask at what point in all of the in, in any of this and I maybe it was only three years ago or further back, did you realize that that jump from doing it for other people and then doing it for yourself that the stuff that you were doing for yourself could actually work as a way to support yourself? Was there uh, any sort of specific moment or time when you realized that that was possible?
1: I don't know that there was like a magic moment, but at a certain point, it just seemed like closer and closer. Um, A lot of people had been telling me like, quit your job, just be a studio, like do it yourself. And I I was really hesitant. One, out of fear, but two, out of like, I like being comfortable and stable. I love just having a steady paycheck and not having to worry about that. And then using my creative brain when I felt like it. Yeah. Which implies I didn't really use it at work, but... Well, I didn't, it? so sorry, guys. You didn't or you did? <laughs> I really didn't. Um, What's the difference? Uh, I think that there's sort of... Well, and maybe this is more of a design thing. Like, you can churn out. I think you can churn out graphic design. You know, if you're being tasked to create a, a pitch deck or a presentation deck, you know, you crank open InDesign, you get your margins and stuff. Like, it's... If you're doing something that you've done before, it's it can be a little broke. bit robotic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you just do it. Um, But then the ideation and like the fun stuff and like a clever joke applied to an object or to an image or whatever, you know, that's that sort of like fun, creative energy that you tap into when you need to. and, And if you don't need to all the time, you just sort of do it when the urge hits. And so that's what I was doing. But eventually it was like, oh, my these personal projects or these book projects or these collaborative projects uh, are taking up more time than I have. And, you know, I was doing this stuff every night and weekend. I was going into the office on weekends just to like have a quiet place to do this work.
0: Before any of that really popped off, why were you doing that?
1: I don't know. really it's fun and sort of impulsive to me
0: i get that every once in a while but to the point that it 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 became a second job even though it didn't feel like a job you were putting a lot of onus on it
1: i I mean it was just like it was just that's who i am and i'm that guy who does that thing to myself and to others like it just Mm -hmm. there was never like this is my hustle i'm hustling like adam jk studio llc here we go that was truly like i'm not being casual or like phone naive, like that was literally just never the point. Yeah. I never thought that would happen. Um, yesterday was tax day. So we're like, <laughs> I'm thinking about about the money and the business and and talking to my accountant. And I've worked with the same guy for like eight years. And this like first year that I was selling balloons on PayPal and I made seven thousand dollars. He was like, Holy shit, that's awesome, Adam. And now he's just like, I can't believe that this is working, but congratulations. And I'm just like, Bob, yeah, how is this happening? um it it just wasn't my yeah. intention like truly didn't plan for this and still i'm sort of not
0: was there i mean it is interesting that yesterday is tax day and what that brings up in terms of like that difference between doing the art but the business side of it is like you're playing catch up a bit because you certainly weren't going to school for it or something um, when it started to coalesce, were the business side of things daunting? Did you feel like you didn't know what you were doing? Because it, from where I sit now, it, it does look like you know what you're doing, not just in the artistic realm, but in like how you're managing the artistics as a brand, as a business. Where does that knowledge come from?
1: Um, I, I said this recently, and it, it's not eloquent, but it sort of sums it up. Um, I'm very good at doing the things that I'm doing and not good at doing anything else. And so... Mm. It's like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm good at doing the things that I am already doing. And so um, that actually doesn't really succinctly summarize anything. Nope. That only makes sense in my own head. I yep. see I see your face and you're like, that <laughs> yeah, doesn't I work, about, sir. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I guess the, the reality is that I'm making it up as I go and learning a lot as I go. And so there are some things now where... Mm where I totally get it. You know, there there are elements of the business or or marketing or packaging myself or like, you know, certain new products that I create. I'm like, okay, this is going to sell well. And that's not always the intention. I make a lot of stuff because I like it. Or I do a lot of like, do a lot of things within the scope of my business um, that I'm just doing because they're funny to me. Yeah. But But when I have something good, I tend to know, Uh, you know, now I have a sense of like, okay, this is good. Like, this is the thing that pays for the dumb stuff. And so he does a learning curve. But I also think that having that design background yeah. and, and learning the tools gives you the tools to do the marketing stuff. You yeah. know, designing collateral for, for other brands and other events prepares you to do that for yourself.
0: Yeah. And you were, you were working in the commercial space prior. So it, yeah, that, I mean, that I was did...
1: doing this stuff for others. And so it was just like, oh, I could do it for me. Yeah, sure. that,
0: that makes sense. That, that definitely does. Um, what was one of the first maybe either brands that you got or I, maybe it's the book deal, I don't know, when it really did take shape and it was there you were presented with a big opportunity to essentially it was like the first time it is working for a client but it is being you that they were asking for Mm -hmm. what what was that
1: yeah i mean i think i think it's it's easy to think about it in terms of that first book um january 2013 when an editor from penguin emailed me and asked me to make a book and that was the first moment when i was like oh people are seeing the zines and the the weekly calendars and all the self-published products and all the stuff um, and that stuff was getting pressed. Like that stuff was going... It's interesting
0: how it feels like it, you're throwing it into this void and you have no idea if That's anybody... That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, and we all do that even now, and more so now where there's more competition and we really don't know who's looking. Uh, and apparently an editor at Penguin was. And actually like a month after I signed that Penguin contract... I got emails from two other publishers, and so it was just sort of like it was like,
0: like the precipice.
1: Yeah, I think that was a point when I reached a certain level of consciousness, at least within a very specific creative community, um, and that was the first moment for me when I was like, "Oh, like again, this is this is a product that other people value. Yeah. Like this creative output has a tangible value." Beyond the scope of selling, you know, little zines and stuff directly to the people who like it, there are companies that want to like take that and do something bigger with it.
0: What kind of validation did that create? did it? Uh,
1: no, it, it definitely did. I mean, it gave me like a certain level of of self-confidence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would that, hope. Yeah. No, I mean, there's nothing like a, a book deal from the world's largest publisher to give you a confidence boost. Fuck yeah. Uh, that book came out the same week that I was switching jobs and I negotiated like a huge salary jump. That was like a level of confidence in a meeting that I don't you think I with, had. You came in with like full swagger? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was full. It was as much swagger as I've ever had. Right um, there was just a sense of like, I've been doing this thing for so long and I still don't know why, but now I, I definitely confidence. know it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and every time that book gets released in a new translation or a new edition, when they reissued it in new colors, it's like, I shouldn't need that for, for self worth, but it, it helps. It helps um, to see someone else apply a dollar value and a sales figure to that.
0: Especially. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when they first approached you, you felt the weight of the moment?
1: Yeah, I thought I was going to die. What do you mean? I was, like horrified. I mean, that's like, a that's just a, an overwhelming email. Like, you know, it is. to whom it may concern, I'm an editor at penguin fucking random house. <laughs> we think you should make a book. Let's have coffee. And I remember sitting there like shaking and in my head, I'm like, don't drink the coffee in front of you because it's not going to help. Like you're going to feel worse. Uh, and like, taking these fake sips and having a conversation about what we could maybe do. And even in that meeting, it wasn't a done deal. And so ah. there was this sense of dread and like, oh, God, I have an opportunity. I'm going to blow it. Um, and that sense of dread actually doesn't go away. I think no. with every book, I'm like, oh, God, I'm definitely I'm going to just like drop dead before release date. I'm never going to see this come out. And then the book comes out and I'm like, oh, God, let's make a new book.
0: While, uh, but while you're making the book, what is that relationship to it in terms of liking it versus hating
1: it. Mm. That's a I think every creative person can relate to this. It's like you make something new and you're just like, my precious baby and you raise it up sort of like Simba and the Lion King and you have this moment of like check it out world. And then you make another thing and you throw your first baby. You you like throw Simba <laughs> off the cliff. You're like, fuck this baby. Like I got a new one. And so There is a sense, or a part of me, that's like I have this second book called Pick Me Up, and it's so much better than One Page at a Time. Fuck One Page at a Time, and then One Page at a Time gets like its seventeenth translation deal, and I'm like, Oh wait, people are still finding that and enjoying it. Were you were you pleased with it
0: when you when you were going to press? Like, yeah, I was. You were happy with it. You felt you felt good.
1: Yeah, I and I still feel good. I think it's just you know, every six months we get so much better. Like we're like yes. Or like caterpillars or whatever. Like we keep learning new tools and, and having a stronger sense of how things work. And I have a much stronger sense of that It's great though that you, that, process. that
0: you have that, you know, it isn't a given. I talk to a lot of people who are creators of things, not necessarily a book like you're saying, but where they don't like what they put out, but they put it out despite that. But it doesn't sound like that
1: sounds horrible. Why would you do that? It's pains for sure. Just get a job. Just get another
0: job. I mean, it's like they have moments of euphoria at other moments. Not maybe not necessarily like the publishing of it Mm. Um, because it's it's taxing and stressful. But it doesn't seem like you. you, you, Those moments are celebratory for you.
1: Yeah, I'm not making anything that I don't like. There are very few times that I've made work that I don't care for. Hmm. And um, sometimes that's like a specific product in my shop and then I just phase it out right away. Like There was a moment when I started working for myself when I made a couple product designs that I was like, this will sell. And they did. And some of them sold very well. And they still would. But I was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. Like, I don't even care. Um, But yeah, there are very few commercial projects or freelance gigs or product brand collaborations that I've done that I just genuinely don't like them. Cool. And if I don't like something, I'm not going to share it or promote it.
0: Right. Right. And I guess that also is the nature of um, the things you make individually are on a smaller scale than like a, a movie you know yeah oh yeah
1: that's the thing too is my scale is so small it's easy for me to say well forget it like i'm done with this yeah and, yeah and that's not a lesson that can necessarily be applied no. to a feature film <laughs> we're talking about like a, a ten dollar pin here yes so i recognize that my experience that's nice. my it's a good exp- medium yeah i think my experience is is really different from other people Mm. but but i think so is my growth process and so oh well, yeah cuz it helped I was cur- me learn as i go because i didn't start from f- i didn't really start from a business beginning where i was like this is what i do so i'm i'm glad to have that flexibility
0: yeah no i think that it's such an advantage it's great to have
1: i don't mean to sound like a dick like don't you don't. F- don't throw <laughs> you away don't. your film uh, <laughs> you don't you know? um
0: when with with the gaining of the popularity of of you and the book there was also like you know a rise in social media presence presence and i'm just curious how that you're very self-aware and you're very attuned to your emotions and others i mean that's just clear in the work i'm jewish so should have started with that yeah, yeah. We, I, I feel you bro yes um and, and when I, it's
1: good it's good but usually it's terrible
0: well you know let's blame our mothers no i'm kidding Love no your you're not it's you, not mom. a joke at all you, mom. no so she's listening so i'm curious how that popularity being gained affected you and because i don't think that that was necessary it's i'm seeing. it sounds like it's a byproduct of what you wanted to do it was not the goal and like what mental evolution you went through in that kind of coming up into it i think
1: that you know i have a couple different brands or you know a, co- a couple different ways of communicating what i do or talking about it and they're probably have been some moments when I find myself writing, you know, an Instagram caption is too formal or, or I accidentally, you know, use correct grammar. And then I'm like, wait, no, that's too real. And I just try to soften things. But actually, I think as I've gotten, I don't want to say popular, because like most people don't know who the fuck I am. But as Rel- I it's have all crossed over into some level of a very specific audience's collective consciousness, mm. that's how I would Well say done. I, well done. Whew, I need a drink. Um, I I have intentionally gotten sort of more colloquial and more casual. um, And that's the language of my work anyway. You know, my books sort of...
0: You're finding your voice. Yeah. I I mean, my books have
1: adopted this sort of like casual language of the internet. That's just how we all write and speak in that space. And I I work hard to keep being that person. And to actually... I think I've gotten more transparent. I sort of had that moment of like, well, actually, I'm not going to be a cool New Yorker. So like, stop trying. Like that moment of like, oh, no one's actually buying but it. That, so like, that is the cool the New Yorker. Yeah, and then everyone says that they're like, well, recognizing that is how you know. You're, and I'm like, this is we're talking about different kinds of cool because I know I the suppose. other cool. Yeah. Um, and that other cool is not self-aware, and it <laughs> it still is cool. It's like I know it's bullshit, but it's fucking cool. Um, you guys can't see me, but I'm actually smoking six cigarettes at once right now. Yeah. I look amazing. Um. Yeah, I mean, the more people are looking at you, you obviously do think about it. But my work from the very beginning has always been me communicating my thoughts. And so... Well that's that the, requires a certain type of narcissism and that hasn't changed yes. and I've been aware of that the whole time.
0: There is yes, you can you can call it narcissism but also like I am wondering if being aware of that if that affects the creativity if it can stunt it in certain ways or at least impact it knowing because it's one thing to like I want to I want to say stuff and I hope it's heard to I'm going to say stuff and I know it will be heard does that change the output at all or the process? I
1: think I have a healthy sense of reality in that, like, you can have a million followers, but, like, Instagram's algorithm is only going to show that to your mom anyway. (laughs) Like, like... You know, like the numbers and engagement and that sort of stuff is kind of bullshit. And that a little bit comes from marketing. It comes from briefly working at BuzzFeed. Like I have a strong sense of like the numbers don't matter. Mm. And so I never am like crippled by fear of like, oh, God, like 100,000 people are going to read this because the reality is that they're not. The only people who read anything you have to say are people who care enough To stop scrolling and the people who care are already there with you yeah it's like no one else you know the people who just want to look at pretty pictures don't care about what you have to say and that takes all the pressure off um so i did it take
0: time to learn that no
1: i think because of the slow growth that i did i mean through message boards live journal myspace tumblr for 10 years facebook instagram twitter like my entire growth process has been for lack of a better word public You know, there are people who have seen me blossom. Like, there are people who are fans of my work now who bought one-inch button pins for me on LiveJournal when I was 16. There are people who have seen that the whole time. And so... That's just I grew up through that. Well, and it's also I a good point that you a, were had a sense of it. that
0: you were selling a one-inch pin at sixteen on LiveJournal because in I guess in certain ways you know the arena has changed, but the game hasn't, and, and in that way it's very comfortable. I'm doing the
1: same shit that I've always done, and that's why that's really why I'm so shocked that like people care now. And part of me is like, where were you ten years ago? And part of me is like,
0: thank God you didn't know me back then. Well, I wanted to talk about this because you, I found, I found you saying this type of stuff a lot in uh, your creative live. Which, if anyone is interested in this talk, should definitely um, check it out online and get a better sense of Adam. That there is a self deprecating aspect, or like being surprised by your success, but like, at what point is it not surprising? Or do you understand, like, it's never not
1: surprising. I think every creative person experiences imposter syndrome. Uh, The difference is that like, if you're a professional, you maintain a sense of calm, and that sort of fake it till you make it thing. Mm. But in conversations with people in, in all sorts of careers and stages of their careers, everyone feels that it's just that most people don't make work literally about that. So they don't talk about it. But But my work has always been sort of about the process of becoming an adult or becoming a working creative or figuring shit out. Like, my work itself is transparent about the process. And so I'm afforded this sort of, like, safe space where I can say on a stage in front of 1,600 people, um, as I did, like, two weeks ago at a conference, I can start my talk by being like, hey, I'm really scared. Could half of you leave? Yeah. Um, And I get away with that. Like, I've created a space and that to be open
0: when you say something like that is it true
1: yeah usually or there there's truth in everything uh, that i say and obviously you know
0: cuz you're so well versed at it and you're standing up there with a, it's funny cuz there's a certain confidence that you have in the moment that you're saying those exact words and it i believe both at the same time it's just an interesting duality
1: i think yeah i mean you're you're sort of honing in on sort of like the, the core truth of what I'm doing. And that's what I very poorly explained earlier is like, I know what I'm doing and I'm good at that, but I don't know what it is. So I can't identify what it is that I'm good at. I just know I'm good at it. And that, that extends to the work itself, to talking about the work, to public speaking, to, to making and selling products, to packaging myself as a business. Like I have learned these things and sort of pick them up innately and feel confident in what I have to offer in those spaces. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't make things any less hard or, or scary or nerve wracking. Um, I don't think that there's anyone who who doesn't get a little bit afraid, you know, speaking to a crowd. And a good public speaker just knows how to like stay chill, take a deep breath and then get on with it. Mm. But I don't know that that fear goes away for other people. It would be. That's what I'm telling myself yeah. as, as I embark on these larger and more terrifying ventures.
0: Definitely. And something else that I mean, it, it runs along the same type of conversation of a lot of what brands want. And also, I love brands. Yes. Brands, if you're listening, yes. I love you. Yes, call Adam. He'll he'll make stuff for you. Yes. Um, but it's interesting that a lot of what they want is, I mean, authenticity is such a buzzword, and it's a scary word if, if to be applied sincerely because. You would argue or you might want to argue that anything that's engineered lacks authenticity because of its being designed or engineered. But yet everything you do is, but it also feels authentic at the same time. And like that seems like a really hard line to walk consistently, uh, if ever. And you do it, I think, all the time. And I wonder how, how, how active is the thought about that and where it comes from.
1: I think I get a little bit of a free pass because my work is so simple that there isn't really room for layers of bullshit to be applied to it. True. Like my work is authentic because I will just write a feeling on a yellow background and post it on Instagram. And so that content is authentic. And if if people like it enough, you know, I recently put out a postcard book that is just 30, you know, short phrases with tiny illustrations on colored backgrounds. Like there's just not a lot of room shit and so I can appreciate that in certain kinds of fine art in a feature film in a brand campaign in a commercial like there's so many layers and asks and and things you have to do right and there's a lot of money involved but I don't have any of that and for the most part I don't have a boss and I don't have a budget and I don't I mean it's literally just like a pencil yeah so there's not even space for the bullshit and again because it's it's me just doing my thing and there's no pressure to perform a certain way Uh, I don't have to go for low hanging fruit, you know, I don't have like a metric of success. I don't have to hit 5000 likes. Mm. I'm not a media outlet, Uh, although sometimes having a publishing schedule makes me feel like one. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's just there's no pressure. So I just, you know, hashtag keep it real. There you go. That's (laughs) well, it's funny. That was disgusting. Let's cut that out. We don't have to, but we probably should have.
0: Okay, because um, it's, it's interesting that it does set you up in a certain way where like when Microsoft comes to you and says, we want you to make a tote bag for us, that could be taken in, a, in a, down a route that might have these layers that are problematic, but you strip it down to such a funny, simple, like a like 10 list listicle thing, handwritten, of course, that it you've engineered the bullshit out, which is fascinating.
1: I've reached a point now where, you know, my work is so me and I am so my work that Brands don't come to me unless they want what I'm doing, which I think is what any creative person building a career in a studio, right? Like you go to a specific studio because they're good at a thing. Um, You come to me because I do exactly what I do and I'm happy to do it for you. Um, But if you don't want me to make a tote bag that has a handwritten list of potential uses for this tote bag you probably don't ask me to do a tote bag you know if microsoft or the strand or adobe or anyone that i have worked with had wanted not me you know they wouldn't have worked with me and there is yeah there's a freedom in that in that i can keep being myself and being super authentic and brands can have some of that yeah. and, and that doesn't make it any less authentic no um certainly I not a, the
0: way you do it yeah i think a really specific cool thing honestly because other people do fuck that up i think
1: I think people fuck it up when they're trying too hard to be cool or like maintain whatever sense of integrity they've created. But I mean, people are not stupid. We are so used to seeing sponsored content in our social feeds from people that we follow. And I think that, for example, um, yesterday I posted a photo of me at Equinox and Equinox paid me to check out a new like workout class that they do. Mm-hmm. And it was a cool class. I'm very sore. And people see that sponsored post and they're like, oh, cool. Like Adam got some money from a company. That's awesome. Good for him. Now he can like, you know, do his buy own. a nice yeah. dinner. Like, like I don't think people hate me for doing that sort of thing or for working for brands. Well, it's and-
0: almost like the issue of people try to, try to hide... Yeah. That, that they're working with a brand or that they're getting paid to do their job. But it's like, why hide this? Trying to hide it is where you run into an issue because it's impossible to hide.
1: It's impossible to hide it. It's less effective if you try to hide it. Yes. It's also illegal, you know, as per the FTC. <laughs> and, you know, if especially in the realm of sponsored content. On social media like that's separate from a true brand collaboration or when i'm hired for work but yeah people know what it is it works better if they know what it is and it, I don't know, it's sort of freeing. It, it must feel great for a brand to be like, oh, we're going to pay Adam to do this thing and his followers aren't going to like hate him or us for it. And it's not going to breed any like ill will. And it's just going to be smooth and great. And everyone's going to fave that post and move on.
0: That's the real danger though, because a lot of times when I'm hit, when something sponsored comes my way and it just feels just wrought with capitalistic intention or something, I don't know. I, I do grow an ill, like I, I block the brand or whatever, like, cause it bothers me. I'm like, don't, I feel like I'm being played when I see that kind of thing. And there is that, you know,
1: marketers haven't quite caught up. I don't think like, I agree. Like the language of those sponsored posts, whether they're paid posts in your feed or from influencers or people that you follow, Yeah, like the the captions are always overwrought. Mm. Um, And I know from experience that that is a product of like the client and the account people and the creative team and the CDs like all fighting with each other. Yes. And then the actual creator is like, well, what if we put my spin on it? And it ends up being this like robotic bullshit thing that tries to hit all the brand points. But also like, you know, it probably says like fleek in there somewhere. It's got like a (laughs) dated sort of amalgamation of Internet and youth culture language it's just not good. No. It's just literally not good. And I agree. Some of that stuff is too gross to even work. But when brands trust creators to do what they do, you can make some really great stuff. And I think there are so many examples of like
0: awesome Yo, yeah. branded
1: content out there that feels good. And everyone's when, like, when congrats. Pe-
0: when people say they don't like commercials, what they mean is they don't like bad commercials.
1: Yo, yeah, because exactly. Because
0: we live in a world that says we hate commercials, but everybody's stoked to watch Super Bowl stuff. And, like, that's not a coincidence. Also,
1: everything is a commercial. Art doesn't get made without some sort of financial backing. Mm. Like, everything is commercial, everything is an advertisement. With very few exceptions. And I'm sorry, but like even fine art is... <laughs> I'm sure the intention isn't like I made this painting to advertise Coca-Cola. But like this is a painting by an artist. That artist is a brand and a company. Please buy this painting to support this company slash artist slash person. Right. Like everything is a commercial transaction. Oh, yeah. Um, And the sooner that we even embrace me- that...
0: Even back to Renaissance times, you know, I don't think they constantly wanted to keep putting out the same religious paintings, yeah. but they had to because that's how they were affording to paint at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, we were we were selling Christ for a while. And now <laughs> this podcast is we're selling you and me, mm. you know, it's not, we're not directly products, but like, yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, so I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with, with being that open and that aware of the world, um, Maybe it's just like truly growing up on the internet that has given me that. I do. Th- I think that a younger generation has things, has elements of social media that they've always had, and so they are not used to like thinking about it critically. Interesting, um, or like
0: they're incapable of thinking about it because when you say critically, what you really mean compared to without it, right?
1: Not just compared to without it, but thinking about like why they have it. Like I think kids are. But you like, can only oh, really Facebook. have that. Facebook is like a phone.
0: If you can like base it on ha- not having it at all, or no.
1: I agree with that, but that, that wasn't the point that I meant here. I gotcha. meant like young people are like, oh, Facebook, that's how I talk to my friends. And they're not like, oh, Facebook, that's a service that I get for free in exchange for a company owns all this information about me that they then sell to marketers. Like people just take things at face value and it's like nothing's free everything's a service you are a product i embrace all of that and i'm like happy to use facebook i appreciate that service and i don't care that they're using it to like sell toothpaste back to me because i also need toothpaste but young people i think don't get that Mm -hmm, you know people who don't understand what cookies are or they see those like those advertisements that follow you around browser cookies yeah Yeah, internet browser cookies sorry we all know what cookies are yeah yeah um (laughs) For those out there. So that's that's what I mean. And that's about young people thinking about everything in terms of of products and sellable things, even as they're intangible. But I agree, young people also don't know what it's like to to be IMing with someone in an AOL chat room. And you say, oh, what do you look like? And they say, oh, I don't have a picture. I don't have a scanner. And you're like, oh, that is justified. (laughs) I will trust that you are who you say you are because I also don't have a scanner. Like, yeah, that's a thing where like, you would have maybe like one JPEG that someone scanned a picture of you and it has the rest of the white space, like and now everyone has a phone, and everyone can make film and like
0: do you do you think about crazy. is this line of thought and, and this conversation something that's going on in your mind because in a way, a lot of your work, maybe not necessarily any individual pin that you make or something, but the medium in which it exists and the world in which it's interacting in is very much dealing with this central reality. Like, is it, is it something that you're thinking about this? Because this reminds me a lot about, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the filmmakers, the Daniels, um, but they talk a lot about memetics and memes and, and how they try and, like, view memetics when they're thinking about films they want to make because they do understand that at the end of the day, their conversation is trying to, um, is a part of the zeitgeist and will reflect itself off of it, as does your work. And, like, how much are you thinking about it?
1: First of all, I've never heard the word memetics, and I'm newly obsessed with it. And I will use it many times. Um, Go I'm for not it. always super conscious of it. Yeah. But I have like a deep appreciation for memes. And and I think that they have truly broken down graphic design and visual communication into the core elements of You're a text a meme maker. and image. Yeah. And I, when I had that moment of understanding, I started really leaning into it. And that's when I was like, short phrase, bright colored backdrop, square image, share that. And people liked it. And it has performed well. And it has brought new people into the rest of my work. And I made a postcard book that is just that. And I applied those lessons to my last book and my upcoming book. Like, once you appreciate that, once you appreciate breaking things down to their base elements and letting people find themselves in it and use it to communicate their own thing, that just helps everything else move along. But I think I was going to say some different thing, and then I just, like, don't remember what it was. Oh, uh, thinking about ourselves and everything as a product and the commercial backing behind it. I think that just comes from, like, a place of being hyper self-aware and... I know that not everyone is constantly thinking about everything and not overanalyzing everything, but I do. And so why do you think that is just wired that way? Um, It's always been that way. Yeah, I think I am like a worrier. I mean I, I have mentioned that I am I am in fact Jewish. Yeah. And so deeply uh, rooted. in my experience, many other Jewish people are wired this way. Yeah. I'm also just like an East Coast person, you know, and now I live in New York. Like I think certain types of people are just wired to worry about everything. Um and conversely, like maybe worried is a scary word. There are just some people who analyze everything and think about things. That's maybe a positive way to to spin that.
0: Has it all it does I don't it doesn't sound like it's always been positive.
1: Oh no, I I'm like tortured by demons. That should be pretty explicit in my work, uh, and I, my work has sort of taken a positive spin in the last few years. But a lot of things started out um, with more of that like teen angst, sort of what? negative thing. Um, what demons? I think nothing specific, but just like you know being a young person, and I started making stuff as a teen when everything is horrible. And then through my early 20s when everything is horrible and you're in terrifying control of it. What what was horrible? Uh, You know, just like being out of school, not knowing what the future holds. Uh, I was in a car accident and mugged within the same one week. Mm. That was like a rough week. very intense. Yeah, I lived in Baltimore and that's not like, I feel like it's a meme that like in Baltimore you will get mugged at least once, but like probably will. And it happened to you yeah it, i got mugs um I, ne- I never saw them i was walking and all of a sudden there were two guns pressed against my neck oh I, like man. never saw them i just felt two guns and i was like holy shit oh those must be guns like it was so weird and i i'd forgotten my wallet that day wow. i thought they were gonna kill me for not having my wallet it's i've forgotten my wallet maybe twice in my life um but yeah so i you know had ptsd for a while um and just was the like,
0: art a way of dealing with that
1: Maybe not about that specifically, but yeah. Not that you were writing about it, but that, that, that was dealing with brain. the feelings. Yeah, I think taking something out of your brain and staring it down is extremely useful. That is what art therapy really is. It's helping make intangibles tangible. That's what my two first books, they're both um, creative journaling books. That's exactly what they are. So much of my work is just me anecdotally figuring things out. And then turning that into a broader tool that other people can use. So when I write eight words on a post-it note, that's a note to myself. But then I can share that. And if you're the kind of person whose brain works like mine does, that might be really helpful to you. And if you're not, you might be like, oh, that's cute. And so a lot of the work that I do hits on multiple levels. And like you take from it. What works for you? And people are constantly finding new meaning in stuff that they make or or they share it with a specific person that they have a specific relationship with. And that takes on a new value. Um, that actually has always been the premise of my online shop. It's an e-commerce platform that I call a gift shop because trinkets are trinkets until you gift them to someone, right? It's like if your bubby gives you a magnet, you will keep that magnet for 40 years and it suddenly becomes worth so much more than $2. Um, my own grandmother was obsessed with hospital gift shops and would just give us crap all the time. What an but,
0: interesting thing uh, to be obsessed with.
1: She, I mean, you know, it, she was one of those people that loved to give you something, something that would say, I saw this and I thought of you like this capture in a moment or she a She gave out trinkets. Yeah. She then, was always giving us like bookmarks and keychains and, and she you're been, a kid
0: making trinkets. Is there a, uh, you think a connection there?
1: Yeah, that's, I am exactly who I've always been, you know? My, my first book is dedicated to her and has um, the opening page of some of the lessons that she taught. And that is my work. It's, it is capturing a moment. It is, I saw this and thought of you. It is, here's a small, accessible, inexpensive thing that you can treat yourself to or give to someone else. And so it's, and that's what a meme is too, right? It's like, here's a thing, give it value, pass it on, make it yours. That's it. That's the thing.
0: It's interesting because the value of the small little things that you're making are not material in nature. No, they are, not at all. They, it, they're, they're emotional and mental. And that you're that's um, a free commodity, like in, 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 in a practical sense, which is brilliant. Have, yeah, I mean, I
1: think that is something I think about a lot is that I want to be as accessible as possible. And I also think it would be unfair to sort of utilize a language of young people and then make work that they can't afford. Mm. Like I'm all about fine art that is like a funny slogan on a giant canvas that costs $20,000, but that also feels really disingenuous. So part of my frustration with art like that is that like, how dare you take that language and then make it inaccessible to the people that you borrowed it from? Um, And also pure jealousy. Like how can I make $20,000 from one work? Well,
0: I was going to say, do you ever look at, you know someone who is by a more standard definition an artist and ever you know want those trappings and want to make something like that
1: yeah i think i think a lot about what fine art is and can be and i've had a lot of not intentional soul searching but sort of tangential soul searching about oh, like I could actually do that and it wouldn't be a huge stretch. Um, and more recently, people have reached out to like offer me gallery representation or like mm. try to help me. Th- they were like, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Put but on like, canvas. Here's how you could do an installation. And I'm like, I have thought about this and I'm not there yet. I'm just kind of too busy doing small stuff. But
0: are you worried about the optics of it?
1: No, I think for the same reason that I'm not worried about doing a sponsored Instagram right. post yeah, from like a gym sense. class is that... People who like my work are just happy to see me do well or appear to do well or seem satisfied or happy or just making new things. Um, I did do my first sort of limited signed editioned print and it's $85 from like a cool print shop that does artist editions and it's like hand screened and it's very beautiful and it comes with a certificate. And internally I'm like $85. And then I'm looking at their other offerings and I'm like, Oh, other artists charge like 250. Yeah, no one was mad at $85 and people are purchasing it and it's just fine.
0: And there's no um there's no ego from you being like in comparison about something like that. There isn't a concern that anyone might think the work is cheaper?
1: Um no, there is a little bit of a concern. I mean, I appreciate that for the average person, value is assigned. Mm. And I prefer to have value assigned to my work through the gifting of it and that emotional. I prefer the emotional value, but I appreciate that if I charge $200 for something, then it's worth $200. Like I get that on a very like dumb basic level. yeah. And I also appreciate that like that's the game. So if you want to win the game, you play it. I'm just not like interested yet. But that's not to say that I won't go ahead and do some sort of super limited thing. And sometimes you want to achieve something that requires that sort of funding. Like sometimes it's not, you know, I, I don't mean to say that that is bullshit. I mean, a feature film costs a shit ton of money and like you need the money to make the thing. Um. So, yeah, these are things I think about and possibly future directions.
0: Yeah. Well, it's cool, too, because you can have a scenario where for one specific project, you go big, you go big budget. And then, but like, that doesn't stop your shop and it doesn't stop the little things and you can dabble and experience it and see how it makes you feel. And like, you're, you're not beholden to only being that one thing where a lot of people, I think in that space, um, if a lot of, you know, they create this allure about themselves and they can't go out of it, otherwise the value of everything they've ever done drops. That and
1: seems like a horrible amount of pressure to live under. I
0: think that a, a fair amount of fine artists do.
1: Yeah, and I I agree. I always feel free to shift around. Um, you know, in my mind, the books that I do are sort of like the ultimate deal because it's like three hundred pages for only fifteen or, or ten or fifteen dollars. Like that will always be there. There will always be elements of my work that are inexpensive and super accessible. Yeah, you know, one page at a time is. Um, they're not all in stores yet, but like 17 languages, like that is there. You can get it in most countries in the world in your native language. That is, that is like the pinnacle of accessibility. Yes. Um. And yeah, so I do feel free to do other stuff. I'm just like, when do I do that? Yeah. yeah um. Yeah. I'm sort of crawling there. I'm sort of, you know, it's like I said before, it's like, I don't really know what I'm doing. So I'm taking things one no step at a time.
0: And it seems like you've only ever done something when you were comfortable doing it. So no need to buck that trend now.
1: Yeah, unless someone emails me and is like, hey, will you do my podcast? And I'm like, okay. Right on. Yeah, this is like my third podcast. You're pretty good at it. I'm just good at talking, but you you have a lot of editing work cut out for you. Oh,
0: yeah, please. Yeah. Um. Well, one thing that I wanted to end on, because you've been talking a lot about accessibility is, and this applies, I think, across the board in art. I, I know it does. What's interesting is that I think sometimes people make the mistake of thinking accessibility means lacking in personal detail as a way to make it universally um, accepted. But really, it's like the more you dive down and the more you get hyper personal and detailed, people have the ability, it's amazing the ability across the board to look at someone's personal details and just see their own shit in it. And, And that allows for It gives you the freedom to go as deep as you want with your own stuff and encouraging it so. And I just find that really fascinating and that you are a prime example of that scenario.
1: I think that was an interesting lesson to learn that, that actually I can go super specific and people still get it. Mm. um and that was an important life lesson for me again like so much of my work is me figuring things out when i realized that there are other people in the world who are the exact same kind of crazy that i am that was extremely liberating because one it's like oh my god i'm actually not alone Mm. two oh i'm not crazy actually this is like a perfectly normal thing uh, and three, I can kind of make anything and it will work. And, you know, I can't necessarily do a tote bag for Microsoft that says I'm insecure, LOL. <laughs> but I posted that on Instagram and like 4000 people loved it. It was just like a heart that said I'm insecure, LOL. And people are like, oh, can I buy that as a print? And I'm like, it's a heart with three words. You could just draw that. That's you can have that one. Um but that's a liberating thing. And so before when I was talking about accessibility, I really did mean like ease of purchasing and owning the yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. But you're right about sort of the openness and the entryway. It's like there's just not a lot of layers of bullshit. So if you see it and you connect with it, like you can have it.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great that's a great place to end on I man. I, I I was so curious to have this conversation. It's been it's been great. I really appreciate you coming down and being so honest about, about your work.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Has it been an hour?
0: It's been an hour.
1: If you're listening to this for an hour, I am so sorry.
0: Oh, s- tweet enough. Tweet enough. me
1: about it and uh, I'll apologize oh, well, properly. Oh, that
0: reminds me. Yeah, you're you're at, you're at AdamJK. Did you see how I got there? Yeah, very good.
1: Disgusting. Segway. Literally disgusting. Uh, it's at Adam JK on everything, uh, on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. Uh, I do have a Facebook fan page, but honestly, like, fuck that. Just don't do it. Right
0: Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah thank
1: you.